0: Coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce.
1: We we have to be conservative because we're we're in a blue state, so um, a lot of the price, the rent adjustments, you know, you you, you either have rent control or you can only do a certain amount. Um, so we have to be conservative, and a lot of times tenants don't want to leave and and turnovers. So yeah, I imagine um, we we're, we're actually at a a multifamily conference. I want to say a month ago. And one of our guys asked a question. They said, they were, we were in New Jersey. The, the host gets off the stage and, and hugs him. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So it's rough, honestly. Uh, tenant turnover is really tough and, and increasing rents is really tough. Um, so we, we have to be conservative. We always try to you know, factor in worst case scenario because it, and, you know, where we do business, you really don't know. You really don't know. You can't guarantee
0: Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Past the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce.
1: I'm Eric Panecki. I buy multifamily real estate and I lend money to real estate investors. We always ate dinner at the table, um, for sure. And uh, my parents, they got divorced, but um, prior to that, we would always pray at the dinner table. And, um, I do remember that. And I remember, you know, always, my mom always made us sit down at the table. There was no like watching TV or, or, uh, anything like that. Um, you know, phones weren't a thing. So it was, you know, it was like, I guess quality time, but, uh, yeah, we always sat down at the table, you know, we would always pray before it was like a two second thing. And then, uh, that was it.
0: Cool. Cool. And did you have any like entrepreneurial influences growing up at all? Or was this something that you kind of just picked up, you know, on your on your own? Yeah, no, um, I definitely
1: did not. Um, My my dad is, uh, you know, he he sells software now to pharmaceutical companies, but he was always very conservative. He um, he had to pay his way through college and pay my mom's way through college. Both of his parents passed away when he was really young. So he, you know, he supported himself. So he he was a penny pincher always, you know, shut off the lights, turned down the AC, you know, that that kind of thing. Um, so no, they, you know, both of my parents are pretty conservative. And um, I'm not sure if that's maybe I just went the opposite direction. I was like, I don't want to, you know, do that. Yeah, you um, had
0: you had the the rebel in you, right? <laughs> Go yeah. against the stream.
1: Yeah, yeah. And my brother did the the conservative rap. My my brother works for Apple now. Um, so, you know, he got, he was the straight A student and, you know, uh, I was the, the C student,
0: you know, kind of just, uh, you know, whatever. So. Very cool. Very cool. And now did you, did you, uh, get into multifamily and all of that, you know, right away, did you go to college? Like what were some of those next steps, you know, in your evolution?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I was always, really business oriented. Um, even at a young age, it's, I know, I'm going to start a business, whatever it's going to be. And I did a bunch of like little things. Um, you know, I used to sell concert tickets and then I would sell, uh, you know, stuff on eBay and then I had snow shoveling business and, uh, and then in, in college we had a party cleanup business where I would have all the pledges of my fraternity cleanup. And it's kind of like slave labor, honestly. <laughs> but, um, they would go clean up after parties and we would make we would like five hundred dollars a party and we would do like six or seven parties a weekend and we were making like yeah. pretty good money so um i you know I did all of those things you know the the entrepreneurial um you know and i I'm not sure why that was just in me. I just always kind of knew how to make money um, so my parents always wanted me to get a job and I was always like, well, why? And they're like, well, you need money. And I was like, well, I can make money. And like, yeah, you got to get a job. So I was always like not wanting to get the job, but I was making money. So it was like a battle. It was like, well, you need a job. And I was like, well, I'm making money. It doesn't matter. Um, I remember once I used to buy concert tickets when they would get like launched. And then I would sell them a couple of days before the concert. And then I, I ended up losing like 10 grand, which in, in high school was a ton of money. I it was 10 grand. I just forgot about the the tickets, uh-huh. I missed the day. It was like a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert yeah. somewhere random. I just got stuck holding like lost ten grand. I, I was like, "All right, uh, I'm never gonna make that mistake again," you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. So I I went to college in West Virginia for for economics. Um, and then as soon as I left there, I was, uh you know, I had a, a an online Shopify store. I was selling sports equipment and um i did that for a little while and then uh you know for me the the way i got into real i think a lot of people the way they do it is you know i'm like looking up how to become financially free right on google and like the the you know then bigger pockets pops up right and that's the first thing you see is like oh well you know you buy real estate and then you buy multifamily, you get your mortgage paid for and that kind of thing so i was like all right i think i want to go into real estate seems like a good Avenue. And then I, um, I applied for a, a hard money lender and uh, had no experience and I was totally
0: underqualified. It was like a pretty good job actually. Um, and so, like, so you're actually, you were working as a hard money lender for, for a company. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I was
1: working at, for a company
0: and okay.
1: um, yeah, I got the job there, but literally because, you know, they, they didn't give me the job. And then I just showed up the next day. I was like give me a shot, you know, like, just give me a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll prove it. Um, so I worked there for about six, seven months. Then I bought a two family house and then um, I met my partner, David, and we got into, you know, wholesaling and multifamily. And then I quit the job and then, uh, then we started our fund and we started raising money and, and, and uh, loaning out money. So, you know, the rest is history from there.
0: Yeah. Love it. Love it. What, when you made that, that, I guess the leap, right? Like you said, you could always make money, but I think there's a, you know, kind of a mental shift between, um, you know, there's, there's the people that think, okay, I need a job to make money. Then there's people like you that can, you know, see an arbitrage opportunity and, you know, make money that way. And then there's almost like a mental shift where you have to go into this money raising type mindset, Right. Yeah. What were some of the challenges that you that you personally found, you know, getting into that that, you know, that way of, I guess selling, right? I mean, you're still selling that that opportunity. Um but what what were some of those challenges that you feel were some of those things that you had to get over personally?
1: Yeah, um I I'm not like a I'm not a natural born salesperson, actually. Um everybody at my company thinks I'm good at sales, but I I don't really Enjoy sales, I I'm more I more like to solve people's problem, I think. Um, and and that in itself is is kind of sales if you can figure out a way that's gonna, you know, benefit them and also benefit you, right? Um so for me it was like, you know, understanding that, you know, I had a product that was you know helping somebody, you know, solve their problem right and and raising money is that right you know there's people out there that have money and they want to get a return and they need a good place to you know put it and you know people that they can trust and um you know that sort of the you know, tax benefits and, and that sort of thing so um you know at first I felt really like a like a fish out of water because I was trying to sell something that I didn't know if people even wanted right so that was a big shift for me um but then once I realized what it is and what we have and and the pros and cons and, and that sort of thing, um, it got a lot easier. So I think just really understanding the product was like, you know, or actually viewing it as a product in itself, you know, because it's like, oh, I'm not going out raising money. Well, what is that? Right. You're actually you're providing a service, which is, you know, allocating people's money to get a, get a good safe return or whatever, you know, whatever have you. So for me, for me, I think that was the hardest part, which is really, whatever I sell, I have to believe in. So, you know, once I put my own money in the fund, and I was getting a return, and then it became a lot easier to see, like, okay, I understand
0: why this is a good thing. And, and
1: why this would be beneficial to certain
0: people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so um, you guys went down the path of, of creating a fund, why, why did you um, go down that path, rather than, you know, be maybe- Potentially becoming you know, an owner operator or maybe you're you're kind of doing both, um, yeah. you know. So so I guess um, explain the the mindset or the reason why you decided to create the fund uh, in sure. the first place.
1: Yeah, so we do both. Um, we have debt and equity. So you know, like a the goal is to be a private equity shop, and I guess you know on a very small scale we are that right now. Um, my business partner Dave comes from private equity, and they always have both they have a debt platform and they have an equity platform and it's, it's kind of like a hedge against each other. Right. When, when equ- equities are really great, usually debt isn't, you know, the returns on debt aren't aren't as good. And when debt's really great, usually equities, you know, kind of struggling. Um, and so my background was always in debt and, and David's background was in equities. Um, so we still, you know, we raise money on a one-off basis for deals, multifamily deals. Um, so, you know, you don't, you definitely don't need a fund for that. And, we're not we're not at a scale where a fund really makes sense, um, but on the debt side, basically we we fund loans and we sell them all. So you're consistently turning over capital. The quicker you can turn over the capital, the better. So you can't really raise money on on a deal by deal basis. You 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 actually need the fund, and we did do the deal by deal basis thing for some loans, and it was it was a nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. 're you're, you're you're making capital calls you're returning people's money why is this it, it was uh so that's the reason um so we have the fund for the debt business for the lending business and uh but for the for the equity side for the multifamily, the acquisition side we we still raise money on a on a one off basis i see i see
0: got it so so basically you're your the fund is there to float the money i guess you can say until you can sell off the uh, sell off the, the mortgage to another company and then you just repay the fund and, you know, dividends or whatever. So, um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, what are, what are you seeing in the market today? Obviously, you know, every, every month, it seems like things get a little bit different, a little bit more tricky. Um, you know, what are some of your thoughts on the, the market today as what it, as opposed to what it was, you know, maybe even, you know, three months ago, four months ago. Right. I mean, yeah. Things are, things are quite a bit different today than, than what they were short time ago.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we deal with, you know, uh, we deal with a lot of one to four family and we deal with a lot of multifamily and, you know, you expect, you expect the rates to really drastically impact values, but we haven't seen it yet really. Um, so values are staying mostly consistent. I think. Uh, you know we're very small partner in a in a in a real estate brokerage and he does uh, only one to four families He's the biggest broker in Essex County which is where where Newark is um and he said you know it's still pretty strong market right you know you still you're still be able to sell things um you're not seeing drastic price reductions so from that standpoint it seems not as dark as i think a lot of people are are saying it is um We like multifamily for, for the economics of it. Um, You know, you're still, there's still a massive housing shortage across the country. So even with rates increasing, um, you know, it definitely affects affordability, but people need a place to live. So, you know, if they're not going to be buying houses, they're, they're probably going to be renting. And so that, that'll create more demand for rental units and which should drive rents up, right? So you're going to see strong rent growth. Um, but on the flip side, you know, our investors who buy our our mortgage lo- loans, they don't love multifamily because they don't, they're lenders, they don't want to, they don't want to hold properties, right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like multifamily is a way safer investment because worst case scenario of the, you know, if the loan defaults or whatever, you have more, you know, you have, you have tenants in place that can, you know, cover the, cover the debt service and the taxes and the, the insurance. So, but most of these lenders really only want to lend, you know, higher LTVs on the one to four family stuff, because it's more, it's more liquid in the market. If they do get stuck holding, they can sell it quicker. So it's, it's a little all over the place. Um, You know, from what I, from the people I I spoke to, everybody's saying, you know, multifamily and industrial is the safest right now. Um, So if you're going to get into anything, you know, if you're going to dump your cash anywhere, you know, to put it into multifamily, put it into industrial, um i think lenders are are really trying to skew more towards the one to four family just in case something happens they'll be able to liquidate quickly um but we haven't seen yeah i definitely like you know you're not getting bidding awards for these properties but we haven't seen massive price drops either so mm-hmm. i don't know it's hard it's really hard to say it's it's like i think everybody's in this holding stage
0: yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Waiting to see what's gonna happen. I don't know what you, you know. I'm curious to hear your opinion.
0: Yeah, no. So, so I mean, we we're doing. We have some larger projects that, um, you know, interest rates changed. We're, we're actually under contract, um, for some. And as as interest rates were changing, it, you know, it, it basically made the deal not make sense anymore. So, yeah. you know, we had to we had to you know do some renegotiation on some of those projects just because you know, again, that the economics changed so much that it, you know, just didn't, didn't make any sense anymore. So, um, you know, other than that, I, I mean, I agree. I think, I think people are still selling things. Um, uh, we're still seeing, you know, relatively strong, uh, situations where, you know, I don't want to say there's bidding wars, but there's, there's, um, you know, in, in the larger spaces, you normally will have a, uh, a buyer's, um, interview, right? So the seller will set up a buyer interview. And um, we just did one maybe two weeks ago or so. And there's still there's six, I think six groups that put in uh, an offer. And all the this is I guess this is one thing that we have seen, all the offers are all sort of, you know, seeming to be right in line with one another where it's, you know, the the sellers are basically looking, obviously, everybody wants to make sure that you're going to close, right? But maybe now more so than ever, it seems like, you know, all the offers are coming in pretty well, even keel. Whereas, you know, six months ago, you might have this guy that's like, you know, way up here, he's throwing, you know, $2 million in hard day one. And, you know, so, um, so I'd say, you know, from that perspective, it seems like everything's kind of come down to, you know, be about the same thing. And then it's just a matter of, you know, are you, um, you know, what, what, what's your comfort level with the assurity to close, you know, with, with each group. So, um, so I would say that that's, that's probably something that we've seen, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree. People are still putting things up for sale and, um, you know, they still seem to be getting what, you know, what it is that they're asking for. So, you know, they might not be getting these big surprises where like, shit, I would have never thought that somebody would have, you offered me $2 million more for that property than what, you know, what it was before, but you know um, you know, it's still a market where you can, you can offload things, which is good. So, um, so what, what are, if someone wanted to get involved like you you said, you know, how you found multifamily, you know, property and real estate investments, talk a little bit about that that path that you used to get into this program. Um you mentioned bigger pockets, obviously I think that's probably something that pretty well everybody stumbles across, but um but yeah, what what were some of those steps that you used to be able to to start getting involved in in this industry?
1: Um I mean i'm I'm kind of like a, a get my hands dirty kind of guy. so um, I'm not really sure. you know, I definitely you know was reading books and listening to podcasts. I know I was. Um, was specifically at the time i'm not I'm not totally sure. Um, but uh, you know, well, I, was, I was working as a loan officer for a hard money lender, so I was seeing deals consistently on a day-to-day basis, right? And um, the underwriters there were pretty harsh. So if you submitted a deal that wasn't a deal, right you you get you get torn apart, so yeah, pretty quickly learn like I need to understand what makes a deal a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think learning the finance side of things is such an advantage because if you if you can understand the numbers day one, um you know, at the end of the day, you know it's a hard asset, but it's it's a lot numbers,
0: right? Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've connected with hundreds of extremely successful entrepreneurs. We've interviewed multimillionaires, a few billionaires, top marketers, technologists, brokers, and so, so many more. Many of our guests have even landed on the Fortune 5000 or even the 500 list on at least one occasion. These people are doers, and these are the type of leaders that you want to be connected with and learn from. This whole thing started because I know that the fastest way to success was following others who have done what I'm looking to do first. We created Pass the secret sauce so that we could get our own business questions answered and that we could get access to the best minds in business. You see, entrepreneurs are my people and I truly enjoy connecting with and learning from other successful business owners. And I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling this 99 Entrepreneur Strong, and it's a community of like-minded business owners just like you who want to learn from and connect with other business owners to create generational wealth together. 99 Entrepreneur Strong is a community of individuals just like you who want to strengthen their business, learn what techniques are generating revenue for other business owners, and perhaps even collaborating on future projects and products. The goal is to get your business growing so that you can begin creating generational wealth. As you probably know by now, we invest in large multifamily opportunities, and we wanna help our network of entrepreneurs be able to do the same. Some of my best friends are business owners, and it's so much fun being able to create opportunities and grow together. With 99 Entrepreneurs Strong, you'll be able to network with people from all sections of industry, from investors looking to deploy capital to new opportunities, project managers looking for investors, marketing experts, contractors, mindset gurus, manufacturers, and so, so much more. I've been at this entrepreneur role for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one business work. And the 99 Entrepreneur Strong community is my attempt to shorten your learning curve to get you plugged in to leading experts that you need fast. All this so that you can generate the capital to invest in other passive income opportunities, such as multifamily. Unlike other groups, 99 Entrepreneurs Strong is a private organization that you have to apply for. Once you're approved in the group, we will match you with other entrepreneurs who we feel you will connect with. We hold monthly mastermind sessions where members will present their business story, what they need, and what they may be struggling with, and the group will offer suggestions, resources, or solve the business problems together. We also will hold other framework sessions throughout the month where other 99 Entrepreneurs Strong members will present what they are currently doing in their own companies. Every session will be recorded and added to the library so you will have access to these resources whenever you need them. When you grow your business with scale, you can also impact other areas that are important to you. With the 99 Entrepreneurs Strong project combined with our portfolio of multifamily assets and network of other entrepreneurs, our personal impact project is to eradicate the euthanasia of dogs. It's a lofty goal, but I know we can have huge impacts when we join together. So by applying to be a member of 99 Entrepreneur Strong, you'll learn how to make your business grow with tactical advice, you'll network and personally partner with other extremely successful individuals, you'll learn about other generational wealth-building opportunities, and perhaps the biggest impact is that you'll help eradicate dog euthanasia. With that, I look forward to meeting you, learning from you, and helping you grow. To learn more, go to 99EntrepreneurStrong.com.
1: So I think, you know, that was a huge advantage, just, you know, be able to underwrite uh, deals on the financing side of things. And then, um, and then, you know, a deal came across my table, totally wasn't qualified to to do. It was a, it was like an $800,000 two family in, in Montclair, New Jersey, which if you don't know, it's like really nice area, probably one of the nicest areas in, in New Jersey. And um, so I had that, I was, uh, you know, I had like, I don't know, 15 grand in my bank account, my mortgage payment was like eight grand a month. So I'm like, I want to figure this out. Right. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, that was a huge learning experience and then, you know, came out of that one unscathed. I, I think I made like three grand at the end of the day after six months of just the hard, hard work, staying there till you know, two in the morning, every morning, you know, every night and I'm going to work in the morning. Um, so, you know, um, I'm definitely not afraid of taking risk, but I would say that was pretty risky. Um, so yeah, you know and then, you know one thing led to another, and you know having great mentors and people you know not being afraid to you know ask questions and ask for help. Um, you know i always I always uh, say that there's nobody's self-made, all Right. everybody had help, so i've I've always been quick and quick to ask for help, and I guess that's a skill because a lot of people aren't um or are afraid to where i don't care i'll sound like an idiot i don't care yeah i'm sorry i don't know the i wouldn't be asking you for help
0: right Um, right
1: but i think people appreciate that that humbleness too so um you know something i tell my team here all the time is ask for help like just ask the question like don't waste everybody's time but like you know, if you need me on a call to get this deal locked up, get me on the call. Like you're not proving anything. I'd rather get the deal, right. I'd rather get the deal. Yeah. than than you prove that you could do it half halfway by yourself and then not get the deal. So, um, so I think just, you know, I had really good mentors and, and ha- had really good people around me that, that were doing what I wanted to do. And, and, um, you know, it just kind of rubbed off. It just kind of rubbed off and, and got plugged into the right groups of people. And, Yep, yep. so, so I, as far as you know if i could give advice to, to somebody listening um how to get started i would say you know get your hands dirty you know try to get involved somehow on a deal um and then you know figure out a way to be valuable to someone that's doing what you're doing and uh even if that's just being like a good friend you know and 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 that way you can pick their brain and, and uh that, you know, I would
0: start with that. I would start with, you know, getting your hands dirty and and finding good people. Yeah. Love it. Love it. When you, you said that, you know, a lot of the deals that were coming through the, the hard money, you know, uh, lender, you know, a lot of them didn't make sense. Right. Do you have a way to be able to identify a good deal when you see it? Right now, like, is there a quick way that you use to be able to say, yeah, that's a good deal, or it's not a good deal, or do you have to go through and run all the numbers, or what? Are, what are your thoughts there on on being able to determine, you know, yes, it's a good deal, or no, it's not a good deal?
1: I mean, I guess right. So, from, from a lender's perspective, is that what you're asking? From like a lender,
0: uh, well, no, I guess more from uh, from an investor's standpoint, right? So you're just getting into the business and you want to get involved in real estate. You know, how do you how do you go through and identify, you know, whether or not it's a, a good opportunity? Or or not
1: so I think people start, like I feel I, I wonder for you. I feel like most people start in the one to four family space. Is that what you did?
0: Uh, that's yeah, uh, years ago, I was in one to four uh, and then I took probably about a ten year or so break and then came back and found Grant Cardone and then I joined uh, Jake and Gino. I uh, started to learn how to underwrite. So I'm just curious, like from your perspective, you know, what, what, what you did, but I, I agree, like, you know, and I also have a background in construction too. I was a commercial electrical contractor for about 10 years or so. And it was probably five years or so before that, that I also worked. So I had, you know, the trade background and understood, you know, construction and all of that. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, the construction background, I think is, is, is super valuable. Um, but I mean, I think most people start in the one to four family space. And I think I honestly, to my core, think it's harder um, because it's it's not this. It's very subjective, right? You don't really know like a two family on, you know, to lift Street, right? Like, is that going to sell the same as the one down the street? Oh, it doesn't have a driveway. This one has a garage. It's more square foot. You know, like there's so many variables that go into it. Whereas I think commercial real estate, it's really you know what's your NOI, you know what's your expense ratio, what's you know what's uh what's the cap rate, the going cap rate in the area, and then you get your values right. What can you? What's market rents? Can you increase rents? You know, like it's almost to me it's easier because it's just math. It, it takes the subject subjectiveness out of the uh, equation. I think a lot of people get burned because they th- they think they're gonna sell a property for X and then it sells for Y. Um, but you know, if you're in commercial real estate, it's really like, you know, is it going to appraise, right? You could do an appraisal and it's, it's pretty, so for me, um, I I actually, what was, what was the question? Let me go back.
0: Uh, so, so how do you determine what a good deal is and what isn't, you know, a good deal?
1: Yeah. Um, we, we actually, yeah at this point, I don't do a ton of the, the underwriting. We have an analyst in house and his name's Anthony. He's awesome. He's the best. Um, so he can look at any deal. I, I mostly just forward him stuff, you know, look at, check this out, this is good. But I mean, it's, it, like I said, it's pretty, you know, you look at the NOI, you look at the assumptions, you see, you know, do the expenses seem right? Are they calculating in vacancy? Like that's a big one. Most people don't like put vacancy or, or they um, maintenance or, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, it's pretty you the cap rates are pretty standard, right? Like I, I know cap rate in Jersey City, a nice area would be you know five percent, right? Or whatever. Um also, you know, since we're in the lending space, we have really great relationships with with our appraisers because we're sending them, you know, two, three orders a week. So I can always pick up the phone and call on my appraiser, what do you think about this? And, um, but I think it's pretty it's pretty easy to, you know, cut out the riffraff, you know, you just want, you want to make sure that you're making a certain return. We always look for value add. So there's gotta be yeah. some sort of value add there. Um, and we want to, you know, at the end of the day, be in, all in, you know, somewhere at like 80 cents on the dollar or something like that, right? Um, but I think uh, it all depends too, how, you know, how you're financing it. And, you know, if you're raising equity for, or if you're putting your own cash, So these are these are all things. You know, how much you're going to lever up? So these are all, yep. things, I guess, that kind of play into it.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. When you're when you're looking at, um, you know, the the comparables, like you're saying, you know, what did this one sell for? Can you increase rents? I, I see a lot of people that I feel um, make a mistake, and they they see, okay, this this place down the road is getting, you know, five hundred dollars more for rent, right? And you know, it might be a newer property or maybe it's an older property that's been renovated. How do you how do you um estimate you know how much of that are you going to be able to capture? You know, maybe can you capture 100% of that? Do you you know plug in if they're doing it, we can do it or or is there, you know, a level a level of um uh, I guess conservatism there where you'll you'll say okay, well, you know, yes, they're getting Five hundred dollars more a month, but we're going to underwrite this. We're only going to get three hundred and fifty more per month.
1: Yeah, we we have to be conservative because we're we're in a blue state, so um, a lot of the price, the rent adjustments. You know, you you, you either have rent control or you can only do a certain amount. Um, so we have to be conservative, and a lot of times tenants don't want to leave and and turnovers. So know, yeah, I imagine um, we're we're actually at a a multifamily conference. I want to say a month ago, and one of our guys asked a question. They said there they we were in New Jersey. The, the host gets off the stage and and hugs him. I'm so sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. So it's rough, honestly. Uh, tenant turnover is really tough, and and increasing rents is really tough. Um, so we we have to be conservative. We always try to you know factor in worst case scenario because it, and you know where we do business, you really don't know. You really don't know. You can't guarantee.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess if you're factoring in worst case scenario, you're obviously still winning projects. Would you say that the, the projects that you're winning are situations, you know, in which I think this is great if you can do this, but are they situations where, you know, the people maybe need to sell or they need to get out, you know, so, so you're capitalizing on that, that situation there.
1: Yeah, we do. Um, we do all direct to seller marketing. So we have a, we have like a five man acquisitions team. Um, that's always looking for deals and we we like i said we started out doing the one to four family stuff and we've moved over more towards commercial but yeah most of the most of the scenarios are um you know tired landlords out of state owners uh or like a, some sort of scenario where you yeah, they need to they need to get rid of it Um, uh, they don't want to deal with tenants you know you do see a lot of you know deferred maintenance and bad tenant situations so you know people that's where we can come in and provide value, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you guys do any of the property management or anything like that? Or do you, do a uh, third party that, or? We do a little bit of both.
1: Um, we have, you know, we have one guy internally that does, does it deals with tenants all day. Um, mm-hmm. but as far as that, plus, you know, the project management part of it. So, you know, depending on the size and scope of the project too, we'll sometimes partner with somebody, um, that's, you know, has a little more hold of the construction aspect of it. Um, so we do a little bit of both. We do a little yep. bit of both,
0: yeah. Yep. And, and if people wanted to invest with you or learn more about your company, what would be the best way to uh, reach out and, and get in touch?
1: Definitely they can reach out to me. Um, I'm Eric Panicki on LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, I don't really use Twitter or Facebook, but uh, leveragecompanies.com. Is our acquisition company, and then Brick City Capital is our lending company. So that's brkcty.com dot um, Definitely, you know, I, I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's a good spot to to reach me. But if anybody's interested in hearing more, would love to uh, love to have a conversation.
0: Love it, love it. And and what what would you say is your primary? Um, customer or client is it someone who's looking to get involved in real estate, or they have money to invest, or um, you know they, they need a loan? Is that all of the above? Or
1: yeah, so uh, we you know for, on the lending side, we really only work with experienced investors. We do one one to twenty million dollars is our, our loan amount. It's almost all multifamily or ground up construction, new developments. So anyone experienced, you know, we're very active on on the bridge side um we have you know high, you know aggressive ltvs our interest rates are good so uh we're experienced we know what we're doing which i think is huge um so you know anyone that's you know looking to acquire multifamily real estate love to hear from anyone that has money that they wa- would like to place somewhere and get a good return we'd love to hear from and uh if you just want genuine help i'm i'm, I'm always happy to help
0: love it love it eric this is fantastic uh been lots of little nuggets here with, you know, getting started in the industry. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things is just, you know, getting out there and making it, you know, making that start, you know, get involved like what you did. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a great business once you're in it and, and uh, learning how everything works. So, um, you know, these are some great advice or great, great things you've told everyone about today to, to be able to get involved in this industry. Thank you. Well, thanks,
1: Matt. You're a great host. I appreciate you having me. No problem.
0: Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.